SEO is usually something that you have to teach people about. Like they know they need SEO, but they don't understand all the components and why they're important and the power that it could have. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Okay, let's just take a moment here. It's impossible to get referrals without putting yourself out there all the time. It's really difficult to have a community when you're doing the work by yourself. It's also hard to stay up to date when you're just one person and digital marketing trends, platforms, technology, and strategies change all of the time. And it's no fun having to do lead generation for your business when you'd rather be doing billable hours. So I have a solution for you. Come join my digital marketing work group. It's a tight community of freelancers, virtual assistants, digital marketing specialists who are all up-leveling in their skills, getting advanced trainings, applying for my job ops, and becoming digital marketing specialists and managers and strategists. This is an online referral community for both skilled and up-and-coming digital marketing service pros and virtual assistants. We've shared over 800 jobs with our community. We'd love to have you too. If you need client work, if you need a squad behind you, if you need help raising your prices, promoting yourself to the next level, this is the place to be. You can apply for the work group with the link in the show notes. We'd love to have you. Back to the show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Emily Reagan. So glad you joined us. You are catching us in the middle of a content series. We are diving into all things content marketing so you can be clear with your services so you can get to the next level, so you're clued into what clients need, and so you can use your true gifts and talents to make money while working from home, right? Isn't that why we're all really here? It's the reason we're not wanting to stay in our nine to five. We want flexibility. We want control over our schedule. So today I have a special guest for you. Her name's Sophia Vega. She used to be a teacher and she has a fabulous story, very relatable, how she started out and just went for it. She's working as a content marketer and SEO strategist. She is the perfect blend of left and right brain. She can be creative. She can also be analytical and look at the data. She's a married mom of two with two fur babies, a mental health advocate, and avid reader, flower gardener, and she's a data-driven digital marketer who helps small businesses use SEO and content marketing to take advantage of organic channels to grow their business and make money online. Her strategies help attract new customers, create brand awareness, and create demand. Content marketing is so much deeper than just posting. And Sophia was very adamant that not all content is good content. And today, this is going to give you a little insight onto what the work looks like. I think it's always so interesting to learn how other people have structured their business, what's working, what they wish they would have known, all of that insider stuff. Sophia has a list of clients working with her. She's done really well to partner with other fellow service providers. I want you to pick up how she does that. And this is just going to give you the edge going into our other episodes involving more of the content strategy when it comes to YouTube, podcasting, social, Instagram, reels, and all of that. Sophia is a member of our Digital Marketers of Work group. So if you want to link arms with freelancers like Sophia, please apply. If you are doing an inch of this marketing work, you are already starting to wear your marketer's hat and you should be surrounded by the go-getters, the high flyers, the achievers, the freelancers who are doing the work behind the scenes. There's a whole underground network of us, and I would love to have you in the group. Our next enrollment window is this June, so get your applications in, and we'll send you some emails to let you know once you are accepted and how to officially join us. We only open the work group certain times of the year, and I really can't tell you when we're going to do it again. So the interesting thing about her work and what she's talking about, she totally offers similar services to what I have done all along. I helped one of my clients grow an email list of 80,000 because we did this very simple strategy that she's talking about today, where you take the blog and then you create your content from the blog. And the blog is their evergreen, constantly bringing in organic, free 
traffic to your website. And if your content is good, readers, they end up subscribing and they end up buying. So this is what Sophia does, is help look at the data, help set the keyword research, and then create the strategy from this. It's not shooting arrows in the dark. It's not throwing spaghetti at the wall. There's data behind what we're doing. And fortunately, we teach how to do this inside the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School. We have a whole module on SEO. We have a whole module on UTM links and how to track your marketing effectiveness. There's a lot to learn and it's very intimidating. So you don't need to rush off and take a course, a college course, or get a four-year degree. You do not need to even do the Google Analytics training at this point. If you are brand new to us and you would like to start offering marketing services, start with the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School because we'll set you up with a solid foundation. It's the program Sophia said she wished she would have gone down this journey first and I'll set you up. I'll teach you how to do this. I'll help you get your first clients. We'll set up your business. And we have a live cohort starting in October. So make sure you are on the wait list if you want to join us. We're only going to have 100 seats, 100 students in this next live session. So if this is you and you're motivated, get on the wait list. You'll have the chance to grab your spot first in perks to early enrollment. Now, I've done these marketing audits and strategies that Sophia has done. I've given my clients reports. It always wows them. And it's so interesting to me. I see this pattern of clients hiring a regular VA who's not a marketing specialist whatsoever, saying they knew how to do SEO, saying they knew how to do content. And when I looked at the data, when I looked at the numbers, it actually made these clients cry. And I said, you're wasting your money because this is not effective. And Sophia gives you her layout for starting in this area, but it goes so much deeper than just choosing the right keyword. You do have to learn how to optimize. You do need to know your client's content so well. And to me, as a former journalism major, a newspaper editor here, I love, I love planning content. I love connecting the dots. I love creating content for each stage of the buyer's awareness journey. And it's fun. It's fun for me. This could be fun for you, just saying. And if you're not already stepping up in this capacity, your clients need help with this. I mean, it's so hard, even in my own business, to see the good content from the content you have said a million times to the gaps, to knowing what you should say when, being strategic about it. Like Melissa said earlier, knowing the seasons, when to cue people up for sales is also important. So I hope you're loving this content series. If you are, would you please tell a friend? Would you post on social? I would love to hear from you. And let's jump into the interview with Sophia Vega. Hey, Sophia, welcome to the show. I am so glad you're going to share your story of working behind the scenes as a content manager and digital marketer. Will you tell everyone hello, a little bit about you, where you live, what your family looks like, all the good stuff? Sure, absolutely. So I live in Texas. We retired here almost three years ago when my husband retired from the Air Force. So we've lived all over the place, but we have family in Texas. So I'm we're super excited to be here. I have two teenagers and two fur babies who are a little bit nicer than my teenagers are most days. <laughs> I am a SEO strategist and content marketer, and I really like to help small businesses make a data-driven marketing plan. So the SEO and the content marketing is a big part of that if the focus is organic marketing. But in general, I advocate for really having very explicit, smart goals for your marketing so that all of your efforts are going towards reaching those goals rather than doing things piecemeal because that's what you think you should be doing without it really having any metrics to track it and whatnot. Oh, I love that because you know I teach that inside the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School. We go deep into SEO, all about reporting and tracking because this is what elevates us and puts us on a different playing field as freelancers. And I love the niche you've created for yourself, combining SEO with content marketing because there's so many people intimidated by SEO in general. So I'm just excited to talk to you today and like learn from you and have our audience meet you. And we also have a lot of work group members who are listening. And full disclosure, Sophia is part of the Digital Marketers Work Group. You're one of the amazing freelancers in there who makes it such a good space. And thank you. Thank you for doing this interview. Okay, I want to start with your freelancer story. 
what you used to do in your past life because it's so inspiring to anyone listening who hasn't made that leap yet. And just to see these different backgrounds and paths people take to fall into this freelancer work. So how did you get started? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I love the digital marketing work group. Like I'm super passionate about it because I feel like it's been key in getting me where I'm at just the process that you go through in the group. But we can talk more about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I feel like I don't, like my story is not unique in the sense that after the pandemic started and kind of we had that crazy year where school was canceled and then people went back to school and some people didn't go back to school. And then fast forward to that next year, which was, let's just say, going back to the normal slash not so normal year after kind of that super crazy pandemic year. I think a lot of people were in the situation that I was of feeling really stressed out. So I was a teacher, been a teacher for 15 years, and I just felt like I was spending the majority of my time at home doing work for school. And I knew that it was an unsustainable pace. And I found myself being short on patience and just exhausted, like physically and mentally worn out. And I suffer from anxiety. So I felt very much on the edge of, you know, this, there's something's going to break down and it's probably going to be me. And I saw this quote, like somebody on Facebook posted it or reposted it. And it said, you're totally replaceable at work, but you're not replaceable at home. And home is your real life. Keep that perspective always. And I remember that as a moment where I knew, like, I got to do something, you know, like this home is not where I'm focused right now. Like the people who are losing out are my husband and my kids. So, yeah, seeing that and then having an actual mental breakdown (laughs) made me do like a major reset really fast. So I quit teaching like on a Wednesday initially thinking that I would just take like a leave of absence, um, you know, take some FMLA time, but the way things worked out and the response of the school, I just thought, whoa, I need to step away completely in order to reprioritize and do the best thing mentally for myself. So like I said, I left school on a Tuesday, quit by Wednesday, and by Friday, I had started my own VA business. No way! Talk about a fast action taker, buyer personality, like, whoa. Well, in between there, I got together with a friend of mine to tell her, hey, I quit my job and what am I going to do now? And, you know, I I don't know who I even am anymore because I've been a teacher for so long. And she said, hey, all of the skills that you have from being a teacher, you could totally be a VA. And so she kind of just pushed me and said, do this thing. You're totally qualified to do it. And so with her encouragement, I was like, all right, well, I don't know what else I'm going to do. So I'm going to do this VA thing. Gosh, I love this. And you know, we have so many teachers in our community and teachers have such success. I mean, we get a like a broad spectrum of men and mostly women who are restarting and transitioning. We have some with professional careers, some who don't have degrees and we have nurses, but this teacher field is huge. And we all know what's happening and why teachers are quitting on top of this, but What, in your opinion, I mean, I've talked about it before, but I'd love your take on it. Why are teachers so good at this type of freelance work? Like what makes them an ideal service provider? Yeah. So teachers, first of all, I've never met a teacher who wasn't multi-talented, you know, creative side, analytical side, physical ability, like all the whole spectrum. I think you go into teaching because you feel like you have a lot of gifts and you can share those and teaching is never gonna be boring and you're gonna be able to you know, use your things in lesson planning and lesson delivery. And that's the other things, you gotta be super organized. <laughs> you know, if you have all of these faces staring at you, waiting for you to teach them something, you gotta be prepared. You know, you wanna be prepared and have, have something. So, you know, the researching that goes into lessons, the, writing that goes into them, the communication with parents, like you're in the service industry as a teacher because you're serving your students, you're serving the parents, you know, you're serving your administration, like everybody is counting on you to do something for them. 
So I think that's a lot of what makes teachers successful in the service industry. Yeah. And so many teachers, I mean, we're here, we, we do the teaching because we love learning and sharing what we've learned, right? And so it's this innate gift, but that sets you up for this, you know, whole growth mindset where you take on new challenges and you're not scared of it. So teachers yeah. to me are the total package. So I just want anyone hearing this to be like, yes, I can rock this. So walk me through what happened, like after you just had this idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's craziness. So I started my VA business and I actually took a course. It was a great course, but it was very much geared for, you know, moms who wanted to stay at home and be a VA. I say that to say it wasn't a specific like digital marketing course. But in that course, I found clients who needed a VA, but what they really wanted was somebody who could help them with social media and marketing type tasks. And so I did that almost a year. And with one of my bigger clients, we would have meetings with their marketing consultant and y'all, she was not the best. In fact, <laughs> not like, yes, she wasn't doing anything. Like literally she was charging them this retainer every month, but there was no actual production of work. And I am like a get it done girl, you know, like I am very results oriented. So if you tell me, you want me to paint the ceiling blue? I'm going to paint the ceiling blue tomorrow. I am not going to drag it out for months and months. So I was getting really frustrated working with this marketing lady because she was supposed to be doing the Facebook marketing, but she wasn't posting anything on Facebook. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I started posting on Facebook and then I like got this fun little drink campaign going. It was a coffee company. And when she saw me doing that, she was like, whoa, 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 that's not part of the strategy. And I was like, well, I don't have a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, I said, I can do what this chick's doing and do it better than her. So no longer am I a VA, now I'm a digital marketing assistant. And like any teacher would, I started researching digital marketing assistant, looking at tech stacks, looking at, different courses to take. And I ran across a course specifically to be a digital marketer. So it was digital marketing science through Texas Tech University. And it was like an eight week summer long, you know, college course. And so I did that and that really gave me a good foundation. And then I would say within, within three months of that, because I listened to your podcast before I joined the group and <laughs> all of the things that you kept going over about digital marketing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. This is like good stuff. So I started stalking you. <laughs> and just like binge watching the podcast. And then I said, you know what? I got to join this. And yeah, the rest is digital marketing history, right? <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Remind me, when did you join? You've been yeah. in like a year now, right? I think so. It's probably coming up really close to my year anniversary I because so I really like the tech stack knowledge that you gave me made it possible for me to take that learning that I had done in that college course and integrate it into, you know, what I was doing for different clients because everybody unfortunately uses a different tech stack. So you really have to be familiar with a bunch of different things, but also that encouragement of having like the network of people in in the group man you know just if you have a question you could put it out there everybody's super helpful yeah I, and i love that you created that your own awareness on this job title because i have been fighting a battle for four years now i'm saying we're not just admin vas over here there's this whole other niche and it's kind of cool sophia because all the people joining the free Facebook group, I'm seeing more people using my language and I know it's working. I know you understand with the buyer's awareness journey that there's just a lot of education I have to do. And it's more appealing to some of us because, you know, I never wanted to be an admin assistant, but like we didn't have this awareness three years ago about like different jobs and job titles and what a VA really is. Absolutely. And I think when people hire a VA, just a general VA, they don't always know what the VA is capable of. 
you know, like this person hired me to do basically, you know, QuickBooks entries and kind of data organization. But because I'm a go-getter, I was like, oh, I can do these Facebook posts. And, you know, I kind of started reaching out and doing different things. But when you don't promote yourself as someone who has expertise in something like digital marketing, you just do general VA, you're missing out on opportunities, I think, to work with people who are looking for someone at a bit of higher level. Yeah. Not that VAs do not have a higher level of expertise. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying they're more general workers versus specialized. Yeah. And we get a lot of people asking about the niche and, you know, knowing that they want to be more specialized, they don't want to do everything. And that's not what we do as unicorns either. But just that awareness, this is just key here. And okay, so my question for you is, as a teacher, did you know or ever play in this marketing world? Or was it completely new to you? So my undergrad is actually in communication studies. Ah. And I, yeah, so you know, it definitely that background and having, you know, worked in journalism and done PR yeah. in the corporate world when I graduated, and then I worked for a nonprofit as a development director. So that was all prior to going back and getting my master's and doing the teaching thing. So I had a very good idea of public relations and communications and marketing, but not really that exposure to the digital space. And like, wow, it is huge. And still to this day, I meet people who have no idea that this whole digital marketing space is more than just social media, you know? Right. Oh my gosh. Talk about like education and <laughs> buyer's awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like once you, my one of my favorite quotes comes from our workgroup member, Allison. She's like, now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it. I'm like, yes. It's like the matrix, this whole new world of how you look at things, how people sell to you, how they talk to you, the images you look at. And it's kind of cool to know we're a part of this. And neither one of us has a four-year degree in marketing. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. So a big eye opener for me was the buyer journey. Like until I had taken this course, even though I could, you know, make a social media post and plan out content, I really wasn't aware of the different stages of the buyer journey and how that plays a part into creating the right content at the right time. Yeah. Oh, we should talk about that a little bit. But first I have to ask, do you remember what this college course cost? So I do not remember exact numbers, but I want to say it was around 2,500. Okay. Because I remember being like, <gasps> yeah. But then knowing, hey, this is going to pay off dividends. And you'll have, so not only in the course, you get the certification as the digital marketing science certification, but part of getting, being able to get credit for the course is you become, you get your certificate in Google Analytics and you get your certificate in email marketing, HubSpot has an email marketing certificate that you get, and then uh, Google advertising, so Google ads. Okay, oh cool. Yeah. The certification, yeah. It took me a minute to come to me because I'm really moving away from the PPC world. <laughs> yeah, that's a different that's a different doozy, which is why like this whole series is focused more on inbound marketing, content marketing, and whatnot. And yes. we could have another side conversation about how unhappy all my ads manager friends are later. <laughs> Yes, I feel really good for us content managers because with AI coming up, you would think the opposite. I'm like, okay, well now, you know, a robot can write your content for you. But I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier. If you have crappy content, you are not going to get, or you're going to get found and then it's going to count against you because people are going to be like, yeah, they suck. They don't know what they're talking about. And AI does not always get it right. Like I've had examples where I've looked for something very specialized for a client and I have a general idea of what I'm looking for. And then I type a prompt into chat GPT and it like out of left field goes on a totally different direction. And if I didn't have a general idea, you know, if I was just like, oh, I don't know about, you know, data compliance, just type in data compliance, I might publish this data compliance article and not even know that this is not the data compliance that I'm needing to talk about. So you just got to be really careful. 
Yeah, I haven't played with it too much. I've used it to help like script and start some like more common knowledge articles just to get me going. But I have to go in and spice it up, add my take, add my thoughts, like build the connections, the stories. I've used it to kind of play around with titles. And I just I need to spend more hours playing with it. And I know there's really good prompts. I know it's good for organizing themes. But I'm definitely I don't know. I feel like a little bit of an old school girl here. Like, I just like a good story. And I don't know how a chat GPT is ever going to do that. Yeah. Well, so, but it can give me the good bones and structure to launch. So it can shave a lot of time off in that regard, too. Yeah. And it's things like, you know, when you're writing for SEO, you want to be in active voice. And so you can run it through there and see if, you know, if you're missing areas, because I have a bad habit of going passive, active, passive, active. <laughs> and, you know, when you've read something over several times, mm-hmm. it's like, yes, yeah, yes, yes. But if you put it through chat GPT, you can take advantage of things like that, for oh, sure. Cool. But I kind of like to, to compare it to like Wikipedia, right? So Wikipedia is sourced information from the internet you know, anybody can put information out there. People are always like, you would never use Wikipedia as a source. And I kind of feel like ChatGPT is that too right now. Like you don't know where it's getting this information from and if it's actual like legit content. So don't put your eggs in that basket, you know. Okay. So I love that you saw a need, you took care of it, you educated yourself and that probably bolstered your confidence to be able to offer these skills, right? Yes. And made me... I think when you're a general VA, you're also in a process of trying to figure out what you like to do. Yeah. So I was able to figure out, I don't like being someone's social media scheduler slash poster, but I do like the strategy behind those posts. Yeah. So things like that. And when I started learning more about digital marketing and seeing how powerful that strategy piece is, then that gave me a good idea of like, okay, yeah, this is something I can really get interested in, learn more about and and help people with. Yeah, I love that. And you know, we do the similar services. So I just love talking to you about all of this, like totally nerding out here. Okay, I just have to ask you, has anyone ever has that certification helped you get work? Has like, you know, has any client ever cared about the certification? Mm, Not that I know of, you know, and honestly, like my website, as far as somebody finding me on the internet and putting in a discovery call that's not how i get the majority of my business it's usually a networking type opportunity where someone refers me or i find a job opportunity on the job board and you start a conversation so yes i think it helps you have confidence when you have knowledge but not necessarily a certificate because even if you had a certificate, that doesn't really mean that you know how to do something. You know, like I had this digital science certificate and I had this Google ads certificate, but I had never actually done any Google ads for anybody. So it's almost the chicken before the egg kind of conversation, you know, better to have the certificate before the knowledge or the knowledge before the certificate. And I just think, whatever gives you the most confidence. And there's tons of certificates out there. So it's really what's going to be most meaningful for you and what you want to do. Because in general, unless it's something like a Google certificate or like a HubSpot certificate, there are many courses that you can get certificates in. But if someone's not familiar with that, they don't know what that means. Yeah. From what I understand, the certification when it comes to courses, I mean, college, different story. It really matters if that person licensing it and like you're just making sure you're learning from that person. So a lot of them really don't mean much. But I found it interesting this person got stuck on that because I have never run across anyone who questioned my credentials. And I mean, I have journalism degree. I have an MBA. But let me tell you, my MBA was very theory. There was no application. And I can remember doing some classes and my brain gets really stuck on sometimes a linear, like when I was learning to drive our Volkswagen Beetle, I needed to understand how the clutch worked. So I knew what I was doing. Like I physically needed to know. And when I was doing civil air patrol and learning how to 
fly an airplane that didn't last very long. But I'm like, I need to understand flight for me to be able to fly this plane. Like I had to go deep and really get it. And I get stuck on that. It's an actual doing and knowing the why behind the doing Mm -hmm. rather than having this very applicationless knowledge, if you will, without the implementation part. It's just, I don't think you get that confidence to be a certain provider. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And all my marketing courses that I did take in college was very theory or memorization or know these terms. And I can remember thinking in my MBA class, but how did you come up with this market share? Like, how did you get these numbers? I'm actually more curious in the how, which I think is why I set up the course the way I did, because I feel like it's so empowering when you can, when you understand that piece, then you can go out and do anything. Absolutely. So, oh my gosh. Okay. I sidetracked there, but I want to go take us back to content marketing. Why do you love content marketing? I know you said like the ads was not for you, but like, what is the perk of being a content marketer and digital marketer? So I love ideas. Like I love brainstorming ideas. I love talking to people about ideas. Like that whole process just really fires me up. And then I can take that idea or that like let's just say strategy or goal and i can use the creative part of me to think of you know what kind of materials we can create and then that analytical part of me looks at okay does the data support doing this you know what is my data driven goal and then that constantly going back and checking to make sure that you're on the right track because marketing is very much like a science. It's not an exact do X, Y, and you're gonna get Z. Sometimes you gotta go back to D and F and then, you know, come back. And yeah, I just feel like it, it fits me. It fits my personality. It fits the things that I'm interested in. So when you have those things, you're more willing to learn about it. And I'm like you, I need to know all the details. Like I need to know the backward and forward and, you know, the history and all these things before I feel comfortable doing it, you know? Yeah. I think that empowers us to use our critical thinking because I don't want to just, I can never just go in and do the bare minimum and not understand. And I'm always thinking of ways to make things better. And like you, part creative, part analytical. And I want to not waste everybody's time. I want to actually see what's working and it's making a difference. Like I'm not here just to collect a paycheck. I want to make a difference. Yeah, exactly. And having that analytics to back it up, like, you know, it's kind of like opening up a present or having an idea and getting it validated. When you look and you see the actual data behind it and half it growing, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But how does it start? How does someone get to this level where they can open up a dashboard or Google Analytics and start to see patterns and pull out ideas? Like, what is a good starting place for someone who's listening to this podcast? Hey, I'm going to stop right there and interrupt you. If you are listening to this podcast and you are thinking, yes, I want clients that will value me. I want to be involved in writing projects and marketing projects. If you are a marketing freelancer or marketing assistant, I'd love to have you in the work group. Our enrollment window is open right now for a short time. So get your applications in. This is a community where we have job leads, networking, advanced trainings, and the community and the support and referrals you need to hit your business goals. We'd love to have you. Use the link in the show notes to apply or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash workgroup. All right, back to the show. So I tell people you can do SEO without any kind of fancy you know, software or anything. It is very much about just researching. So if let's just say, you know, you need to do something on coffee, let's use that example. And you want to see who's searching for cold brew coffee and what are the questions around cold brew coffee, just do a Google search. And in the Google search, you'll see the amount of queries that are being searched around that term. So you'll know, okay, is there the volume to justify writing a piece about this? You'll definitely see all the ads and the way I associate that is if there's a crap load of ads before you even get to the, the actual SERPs, then it may be harder to rank for this okay. because people are putting ad spend behind the words and that's when it gets harder to show up on that top 10 first page of the Google results. But if you scroll down past those results, 
you can see other searches around this search. And that's a good way to get those long tail keywords and think about, okay, I can't say exactly cold brew coffee because cold brew coffee has a really high keyword difficulty, but you know, I could say cold brew coffee near me or, you know, ways to make cold brew coffee. So I can create content that's still about cold brew coffee, but I'm not competing with the, you know, PPC advertisers for terms. So that's my first recommendation is just use Google, see what's going on on Google. And then my second thing is Google search console, like just that will tell you all the traffic. It tells you your crawlability of your site. It tells if you know, your sitemap set up right. So all those technical things that are part of SEO, but we usually wouldn't be able to know about those. I know I'm not like a backend website creator person. So if my site wasn't crawlable, I probably wouldn't know. <laughs> Google search console is, it gives you all that technical information. So you can just make sure that that stuff's buttoned up on the backside and then content. Like that is the key. Yes, SEO is important, but if you have SEO, but you don't have good content, then, you know, you're defeating the whole purpose. Like you want people to find you through a Google search, but you want people to come back to you and refer you and consider you a source of information because of your content. So or what you're doing mostly is, is it blog articles? Is it landing pages? What does your service look like? So my service starts with an audit. So I'll go through and do an SEO audit and that's looking at the back end, you know, alt tests, metadata, just making sure those things are there, making sure it's mobile optimized because that's how the majority of people are searching, seeing if there's any words that the organization is ranking for already. And sometimes they'll be really surprised and they'll be marketing for like this lady has big shoes marketing as her company, but she's ranking for big shoes, like as in big shoes like big like big, and not, yeah, big shoes and then marketing. So how can we fill that gap and change, you know, what wording do we need to change so that she's showing up for the right kind of big shoes as a marketing type of thing. I have to tell you when I, I love Google search console. I love going in and setting it up for my clients and blowing their mind because hardly anyone knows it exists. No, no regular VA knows about this tool. And I went in there a couple of years ago and I was just looking at my stuff and I was ranking for adult business marketing. <laughs> I do not have an OnlyFans page. Is that what it's called? OnlyFans. Like, I don't do any of that, guys. I cannot pole dance. I don't do any of that. But I was just laughing so hard. I don't know how that happened. I'm no longer ranking for it. But it was my website was brand new. Like, something, like, glitched. I don't know. Anyway, I didn't even know that's a niche. Yeah. And a lot of people rank for their name. Mm -hmm. But they're not necessarily trying to. Like, they, you know, if you rank for Emily... That doesn't really tell anybody something, mm -hmm. you know, Emily Reagan, you have the name recognition that if you rank for that, then yeah, someone could be searching Emily Reagan and then you would come up, which you want to absolutely. Yeah. But if it was just either Emily or Reagan without any context, that wouldn't be helpful to you. So yeah, finding out what they're ranking for going through that audit. And then I, I look at a very general front end audit. So when I do that, I'm looking for what kind of content do they already have? So do they have a blog? How much content do they have on their landing pages? Like are their landing pages trying to do too much? So there wouldn't be an opportunity for you to be able to kind of add some SEO into the content they already have. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people maybe don't want to have a lot of landing pages for different parts of their business, but they don't realize that that's where the power of SEO comes in. Because if you can talk about something with some length and give it some good content, that's going to help you be a source of information. So you get found and people are also on your site looking. And then I do recommend to a lot of people having a blog because that's just a way to get content. And I'll look at their like above the fold optimization. I do a quick check to make sure links are working. Like if they say contact us, that that really does go to a contact us form. So just general things. And then people can decide if they want me to also do keyword research for that. 
And if I do, then I try to get them a real comprehensive list of, I ask them, I have a little questionnaire that I ask them to tell me about their business and what words they think they should be ranking for and you know what words they would use to describe their business. And then I can show them like, these words have volume, these words don't have volume, these words are gonna be way too hard to rank for. What about rephrasing it like this? So yeah, that's the first interaction, okay. I would say. And do you yeah. provide ongoing help with the creating the content too? Or are you coming in at a strategy point and just telling them what they need to be doing? So I can do both. And I like the way this is set up for my business because it gives me an opportunity to work with someone and really decide if like, okay, do I want to create content for this person or not? You know, you have more power there to decide whether you want to continue with them or you know, tell them that you can find them someone else, or maybe they already have some in-house marketers. I like that the flexibility of getting a little bit work done with someone through this SEO process. And SEO is usually something that you have to teach people about. Like they know they need SEO, but they don't understand all the components and why they're important and the power that it could have. So you're spending a lot of time. I would say I spend at least half the amount of time doing the SEO research meeting with them afterwards and going over it and going over what it means. And so then I have some packages that include a content calendar, like I'll do 30 days of content as part oh, of cool. the Yeah. And I'll give them like one example of a blog, just so that they know, like, this is how you would do SEO into a blog, for example. And then they can take that one step further and have me do, you know, set goals around their objectives, content goals, and then work through that process on my own and create the content or with them and their team and create the content. So there's different avenues. Yeah. So where does social media fit into all of this? Or does it? <laughs> yes. So uh, you were asking me about pet peeves. And one of my pet peeves <laughs> is people trying to be on all the social medias. Like, I think you can make the case for being super focused knowing exactly where your audience is, or at least the majority of your audience, because I think sometimes when people think about audience, they want to cast this wide net, you know, like there could be someone who finds me on Facebook or someone who finds me on Instagram, but LinkedIn is the place you have to be. You know what I mean? And so I think the schedulers have made it easy to just like use buckshot <laughs> kind of. And if you're posting to one, then automatically post to the other. But I really try to recommend that people do one social media and really do it well. The social media is where you repurpose your content from your website, you know, and obviously if you're on Facebook, then you're looking for engagement and you're looking for building community. You know, LinkedIn is more professional atmosphere. So your goals will be different there. And so yeah, choosing based on your ideal audience and how you want to grow your business using that social media versus just trying to be on all the socials and hopefully, you know, somebody sees you and you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where our clients get stressed out and just fail because it's really hard to be consistent on all of the platforms. Yes. Right? It's yeah. hard to be consistent on one platform, like legitimately. <laughs> Yeah, and do the thing that you're supposed to. I was just thinking of Instagram. I follow that guy, Lucas. He does the carousels teaching. And he's always like, and then you spend five minutes here and five minutes there and 10 minutes here. And I'm like, I just, I don't want to do that on Instagram. And I'm like raising my hand and I'm not like fully optimizing it right now. But to do it right and to really drive the sales conversations that we're expecting, it's not mm -hmm. like a post and forget. And it's also not just post to post, which I know is another pet peeve of you and, and I is the like crappy content that's out there. Yeah. And when you feel like you have to create volume, mm. it waters down the power of the posts. And that's again, where I go back to the data. So for example, this quarter, I decided I'm not going to do any social medias besides LinkedIn. And what I wanted to do was grow my connections on LinkedIn. And so I focused all of my efforts, all my posting, my going out and making connections was all 
all of those efforts were to grow my connections because there's something about having 500 or more connections that gives you like this credibility on LinkedIn. And since, yeah, since I know that this is a platform that I want to show up on, and I think this is where my ideal clients are, then what can I do to do that? So just being super targeted. I love that because we just had a work group co-working session going over LinkedIn, talking about it and just the power of higher. I mean, you've witnessed this. I know some of your clients, but the clients who have more money, the corporate clients, the consultation gigs who will hire you in for strategy and for your brain and you can offload the implementation. Those clients are on LinkedIn. Yeah. And partnerships. So I've gotten couple of branding experts and people who are web designers who don't necessarily want to do the SEO or they don't offer it in their agency. And so they're looking for someone that they can like test out and then you have that relationship with them. So they're sending you work. I'm so proud of you to be off doing that on your own. I know we have the work group to start that going, but to really be successful, you have to figure out that sweet spot for you. And there's so many other freelancers who are not in direct competition with you. Sometimes they do have a related service and it's more about passing off ideal clients or when you're booked and like kind of a, a good faith, like relationship building way, like that will get you far. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, cause in the digital marketing work group, you have ladies who do the exact same thing as you, but it feels to me very much like there's enough abundance for everybody. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh man, there, you know, is too many people are going to apply for these jobs. And because you begin to knit yourself down and think about like, yeah, this person is looking for, you know, someone to manage their social media and I manage social media, but they're also looking for this. And, you know, is that, is that really something that fits with, what I focus on, maybe not so much. So I'm not just going to apply to everything. You know, you start applying to the things that really, you know, you're passionate about, or you want to niche down into. And that comes from those conversations with people who are doing the same things that you're doing, you know, like, you hear about, oh, hey, I've been doing this or like launching. There were a lot of discussions a couple of months ago about being a launch manager. And I was doing some helping with some launches with this agency I worked with. And I was so stressed, like so stressed. But talking with people in the work group, I had this community of like, okay, you don't have to go out there and research how to be a launch manager. Like, here are some things, here are some resources. And I mean, that's so powerful. It's just so powerful. It is. We can tap into each other's brains and it really becomes this brain trust. That's one of the words I like to use. Yes, it really is. And everybody, like I said, one of the things that just fires me up is that opportunity to brainstorm with people. Like even as a teacher, if we got together as a grade level or, you know, a department and brainstormed, I just felt like, man, that was just the fire of ideas was coming and you just got excited about this information that you were getting from others. And that's exactly how it is in the work group. You know, like you start talking about something and, you know, the happy hour sessions and just ideas and thoughts and different services that you can offer and things like that come from it. So it's just, you know, that source of constant ideas and help if you need it, support when you're having a rough day. It just is this amazing network of personal and professional, really. Yeah, I just love talking shop. And I think once you start your own business and you're just in a different like plane of existence, like your brain's thinking about other things, you're not just happy talking about your kid's nap schedule anymore or their soccer game schedule. I'm like, there's this whole other conversations happening in my brain. I'm excited to talk to someone about it. And it's not always my husband. I mean, he tries, right? And my best friend glazes over. She does not want to hear about it. And so I just love having people like that spark. Yeah. And space can be lonely. You know, it can be really lonely. And I felt that being a general VA because there was so many questions about so many different things. And I mean, you could be part of 10 or 15 groups and that's unmanageable, you know, as far as resources go and interactions go. 
but it wasn't until I found the digital marketing group work group that I was like, Oh man, like these ladies are passionate about what I'm passionate about. And you just, you know, you make connections and you're having those conversations and you know, it's not necessarily like, I'm only going to have this conversation if they can grow, help me grow my business. You know, you are, you're making friendships. And so it started to feel less lonely. I remember when I started, no one was doing what I was doing. Like VA was so kind of, so new, so unknown. And if I could have just had somebody to talk to and know when I was in bad situations or I should have been charging more, but like the greatest power for me is when I've been able to take even what's working within my own clients to another client and be like, well, here's an idea. This is working. I don't always say who it's from or, you know, or maybe I'm off researching something on my own. But whenever you can like pull in different options and show up with that, it shows your client that you're thinking of their business. You're automatically instilling confidence in you that you care. And bottom line, they don't want somebody who's just collecting a paycheck doing the bare minimum. So I just love the power of ideas and knowing they're not right for every client, right? But having that, I don't know, knowledge is power with me. I'm like a girl who likes to know it all, like self-confess. Like you, I think you and I were talking about the same thing. Like I yeah. want to know how the clutch works. And yeah. then I can get in there and think on my own. And I think that is why I, my secret to always being booked out is I did that. I always did that. So, and you get that confidence, you get that reputation mm -hmm. and you know, as you were talking, I was also thinking like the mentorship of the actual being an entrepreneur and client relationships, because each client is different. And with a community that you can go to and say like, oh my gosh, this situation came up with my client, or I had this come up when we severed our relationship, or should I sever this relationship? <laughs> you know, it's not industry specific. It's just entrepreneur. You know, like I have a business and most of us are new entrepreneurs. So you don't know, you know, what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think I was very ignorant about that part. I'm like, yeah, I have a service. I have a brain. I can do this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a business owner. Kind of forgot about that. That was never my aspirational dream to be like, I'm an entrepreneur. And like, so it's like skills that I'm still learning and developing myself. So I was asking members of our work group, what are you struggling with content marketing? And we kind of saw some of the same themes. And I just would like to get your take on it because you have this expertise. You've worked with a bunch of a bunch of different clients here, different industries, different types. So one of the common themes is learning to speak and talk like your client. Do you have any tips for doing that better? Yes. And intuition. Like to me, it's a very intuitive, like I look at their content that they already have and really dissect it and think about their word use and how that they approach things. And like, you gotta do your research, you know what I mean? Yeah. And level of, this is where you can use outside software to help you, like with the readability of text, you know, you don't wanna have something that's so, high level writing that a very small population will be able to digest the information, but you could have a client who's like in, you know, industrial manufacturing. And so you do have to write at a high level, but how can you make that readable? And I think a good relationship with the client as well, because you're going to learn how they talk and learn what their voice is and, and how they explain themselves and just having them talk to you about the topic that you're going to be writing on so that you see their voice in there. But yeah, it can be tricky. Yeah, for sure. it can. And I think you, you called it, it's really about listening. You know, sometimes the first time we listen at for content where our two conversations, we're pulling out content. And then maybe the second time you can really pull in those like little nuances and difference makers. There are tools to help you match cadence and tone, but that does come with time. But I think you're right. That feedback session also can help when they can kind of give you insight. Sometimes some of my tricks were listen to their Facebook lives, write down their top adjectives, write down how they say things, but also get them to tell you how they don't. But right. it's hard. And sometimes I'm just kind of like, I'm trying. I'm not the best copywriter here. Here it is. Now you, it's your business. You can add to it and you can take the time to make it yours. And I'll learn from your changes, but like, I'm not going to sit here and do like 85 revisions. 
Right. Yes. That's where, you know, it's good to know your boundaries. Like, are you going to say, listen, this includes two revisions and that's it. Yeah. Those boundaries. So you aren't having to do 85 revisions, you know, and they only paid you for two hours, but you know, five hours on the road, you're still like, but, but they still are giving me revisions. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. We've all had those clients. Okay. Here's another good question. How do you stop overthinking it? or trying to overdo it. How do you stop that when it comes to content? Because now I feel like you kind of put the fear in us, like let's not post shitty content. How do we kind of like give our permission to do it when we don't know? Right, so not overthinking it. Oh, that's a life process, ladies, right? (laughs) But when I find myself feeling like I'm caring more than my client, that is a good, litmus test. I have right here in front of me a quote that says, don't work harder on your client's business than they do. Mm-hmm. Because when you deal with content creation, it's like you know certain things and you know the best way to do this, but your client sometimes is like, no, you know, I really don't want to have a separate landing page for each one of these services that I provide. And you're like, okay, but that's the best thing to do. And they're like, well, No, we don't want to. I mean, you have to say that's their choice. Mm -hmm. They aren't always necessarily going to take the expert's advice. (laughs) And yeah, just reframe your mind and think, okay, am I trying to work harder or am I working harder than they are? That's what I try to do on good days. data really helps like marketing in general you're testing and so if you're trying something new like give yourself permission to try it but if you have that past data saying like this topic this content isn't working i mean yeah. then you might be overthinking it or over pushing it but i yeah. feel like data is really your friends here in the overthinking zone like if you have data showing you people like this and eat it up like keep doing it keep playing with it do different variations of it And I think sometimes the overthinking keeps us from doing anything. So it's also pushing past that and saying, okay, this blog or this post would be better if I did all these things, but sometimes you just need to do a thing because then you're going to like, the perfect example is I don't have capacity nor desire to post a blog weekly. But I could say, you know what? I can't even do it weekly, so I'm not even going to have a blog, right? Mm -hmm. That's one option. Or I can say, you know what? If I post one blog a month, at the end of the year, I'll have 12 blogs. And that's a good place to start, you know? So that fear of, I'm not quite ready to release this service, or I don't know that, that this is as polished as it could be, just do it. And I mean, that's the whole done is better than perfect, but little secret to anyone listening here, your client just appreciates you managing it, executing it, overseeing it. Like I love SEO. I tell my team this all the time. If I could just like go sit on my screen porch and write blogs and not have to do anything else, like I would be happy. But there's other things I need to be doing. I have to do in my business. And so the fact that somebody can help me do that and I'm not you know, unrealistic. Not everything is going to hit it out of the park. Like not every reel on Instagram, it's like random sometimes what goes viral. And it's always the one without makeup. I will tell you that. I already know that. But yeah, you just, you just don't really know. But the secret is your clients aren't able to do it on their own and they just need your help. So just get it out there. That's my, that's my pep talk. Yes. No, I love it. That's a great pep talk. Okay. Here's another one that's all of our Achilles heels is getting content from our clients, getting content to even do it. And I I mean, you kind of nailed it already. You can't care more than their business, but there are there any other like maybe logistical tips you've had that have worked well with you? Yeah. So I try to source as much as possible. Like when I go into a situation with a client and I feel like I'm not going to be able to source content for them easily, then I make it part of my package where it's a higher price if I am sourcing the content. So if they're willing to provide me the video for reels or images that I need, okay, well, this is this price. But if you need me to source it, it's this price. Then you can always go back to the contract and say, listen, this didn't happen because you were supposed to provide me with this and you didn't. And that's stuff that you learn 
as you go along, you know, when you have a client who doesn't provide the things you need to be able to post on time. But I really, now I spend a lot of time thinking of their capability to provide me with content and having that conversation with them ahead of time because they know if they can't provide you with the content in a timely yeah. manner, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And that can make or break you in this type of role, depending on what platforms you are on, what type of clients. But I always choose the clients that have the pretty pictures when I do Pinterest. Makes my Pinterest life so much easier than trying to get someone with a podcast to make their Pinterest take off. It's just not going to happen, right? So that realistic expectation, but we need to be able to close tabs in our brain. And I feel like if the client doesn't get it to you, when you say you're going to be working on their stuff, close that freaking tab, set up that boundary and tell them when you're on next. And don't bend over backwards. You enable this like, like little tantruming three-year-old if you do that. Like here's the lollipop for behaving badly. Shut up. You know, we don't want to do that. And if you make yourself so available, like somebody said, it might've been my therapist, you show people how to treat you. If you go into a relationship saying, you know, I can help you find that. They hear, she's going to do that for me. So you have to really frame in your mind what you're willing to do and not willing to do and put systems in place to hold you accountable to that. So what I mean by that is I know that I don't want to work on the weekends. I know that I don't want to answer emails in the evening, but I will say for probably the last 18 months, I was doing that. I was still doing it, even though in my head I said I didn't want to do it. And then I heard that, you know, you show people how to treat you. If you send out, you know, your welcome packet and it says, I don't work on the weekends and I don't answer emails in the evenings, but then you answer emails in the evening and on the weekends, then you just showed them that that wasn't a hard boundary, you know? And so they're going to email you on the weekends and and you really have to tell yourself, okay, wait a minute, this is not a habit that I want them to get into. So. Oh, that's so good. We talk a lot about boundaries in the work group, UDMA school. We talk about that a lot because that can make or break you when you're brand new. So I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. This has been so fun, Sophia. Obviously you said you're playing on LinkedIn, but how can we connect with you? So on LinkedIn, I actually would love for you to connect to me there. And LinkedIn is like not only where I'm focusing, but it's my favorite platform. Like it's just really different than Facebook and Instagram just a different vibe and the information that you get is a little more professional and technical and just opportunities to see our industry in a different way when you're connecting with people who are in the same industry. So love LinkedIn would love you to connect with me on LinkedIn and then visit my website. I have a blog. I'm hoping to do some more stuff on the blog, just some teaching and awareness around SEO. Uh, So yeah, look for that on my blog. I'm just excited to give information, spread the learning, right? If we can all work together and learn from each other, then everybody grows, everybody wins. Oh my gosh, you're such a teacher. (laughs) Hey, anyone listening to this in the work group, we'll keep the conversation going over there and we can always share more about packaging, pricing, anything. Sophia's always here to answer questions. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed Sophia's insight to working as a content manager and an SEO strategist. We'll keep the conversation going over in the work group. So if you haven't applied yet, apply now. We are officially taking applications to join us. So get it in. Be sure to connect with Sophia over on LinkedIn. Tell her thank you. If you're in the work group, tell her thank you over there too. And would you tag me on Instagram if you're playing over there? I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know how this podcast is helping you. If you're feeling motivated, inspired to take on the work, if you are getting over your imposter syndrome and you're like, yes, Sophia can do it. I can do it. Especially if you're a teacher out there and just know that there's another world. There's this side business you can start where you use your brain and you get to help clients within their business make money. So much fun. Our content series is going to continue next week. We're going to start getting into the heart of some different algorithms when it comes to YouTube, Instagram, Reels, podcasting. So stay tuned and I'll see you next week. If 
if you want to start earning income as a digital marketing service provider or digital marketing assistant, you only need your laptop. You can tap into what online business owners really need help with by downloading my top 10 most requested tasks. These are the services I did for years for my clients behind the scenes. You can take this download and apply it to your own business and start by offering these very same services. If you want to niche down in digital marketing, this is your guide. Just use the link in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash services. It's an illusion that things are organized. <laughs> oh my God. If you can see my desk right now, like you can tell I got a puppy and I'm like minimal hours in my office as I like throw things in here and shut the door and run out. Oh man, I thought I like knocked over my light for a second. I was like, ah! <laughs> That's going to be funny replay. Okay, sorry. Oh my gosh, I just lost my chain of thought.